we light this chalice this morning to begin our study of a group mantra, to join our mantras together in hopes of finding a group or congregational mantra in between our worded mantra that we have ourselves and our silent meditation. We'll try to achieve this at the end of the service because my theory is that if quantum physics is correct and at the bottom base of reality the string theory holds true and it's just strings vibrating and joining in harmonies. And if Ken Wilbur is correct and the development of life is a quantum leap in, in complexity to where those strings become those quarks which become those electrons and protons which become those molecules which quantum leap into becoming living cells which quantum leap into becoming organs which leap into becoming complex bodies such as humans and if Frederick Nietzsche is correct and we can intellectually and consciously move beyond individual self-soul ego-based consciousness into a cultural awareness and take on the responsibility of that shared consciousness and if Soren Kierkegaard is right and there is a third level of ethical responsibility First, not just, it overrides the ethics of your individual social truths. It overrides the philosophical and religious aesthetics into a, what he called, faith of Abraham, which is an awareness that you have with deity or ideal truth that gives you a personal responsibility to react to that truth that you attain and as such it overrides these lower levels of ethics, then it is possible that we can join our mantras together into a group mantra that we as a congregation can share together. Now, if the bolts would come down and help us to come to mind with one of our principles and sources. Every time we're together in worship, we celebrate our first principle, our covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We value the individual and honor the idea that each of us has light to shine on the world. We also celebrate our first source, the direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold us. Through our senses, 
we discover blessings, beauty, and grace that we did not create. It is this source of direct experience that we celebrate in this summer session of our liturgical year. The candles previously lit represent principles and sources we highlighted earlier this year. Thank you. We'll now share our first series of mantras. If uh, is Lee Chambers here? Okay. If Lee and Mike and Susan would come down, Susan, you can start. We'd like you to share something about your mantras. My mantra actually comes out of my Catholic background, although it surprised me when it showed up. Um, And I attend a Monday um, study group with uh, a wonderful meditation teacher, DeShay Lott, and we did an exercise wherein our mantra would come to us. And the mantra that came to me was Ave, which is Latin for praise. Many of you have heard Ave Maria. Um, And when I thought of it, it made wonderful sense. It's We did a thing here years ago, we need to bring it back and do it again, about how many sacred names have that ah sound. You have Allah, you have Brahman, you have God, Yahweh. It's something about that opening, that ah sound that kind of, it it releases what needs to be released and it also lets in what needs to be let in. So it's been, it's a good mantra for me. Um, I, for the longest time in my life, allowed fear to control most of my decisions, and primarily the fear of failure. So my mantra is, to fear failure is to fear growth and change. To develop, you must accept your failure with your success. And it's about um, balancing both and not being afraid to take the leaps, because it's okay to fall every once in a while, or every time. I don't know. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I have a mantra that uh, helps me get to sleep at night. And uh, I think mantras can be used for uh, motivation or for calming the mind. But uh, one I like is um, everybody's heard about counting sheep. So imagine you're a shepherd outside a, a barn and you've got your, your sheep in front of you. And as each sheep goes into the barn, you count them down. You have ten sleepy sheep, then you have nine sleepy sheep, then you have eight sleepy sheep, and it continues that way until you can try to get down to one. (laughs) Thank you.
Now, if all the kids would come down front, we're going to join together and bring a gray hymnal with you. And uh, while they're coming, if you would turn in the hymnal to page 534, we're going to uh, look at some other Eastern, well, really worldwide mantras. Okay, you may want to save that place in your responsive reading, that number 534, and if you do not have your own mantra, pick one of those to read at the end of the service for the benediction where we'll all say a mantra of our own choosing. Is Sarah Boswell here? Okay, and I, uh, another mantra turned in is nothing is all or nothing, which is to say there are usually gray areas. It's not either all or nothing. And this person says this mantra to remind herself that life is not black and white, but really made up of assorted colors of different shades of lots of colors. She's used this mantra for between 20 and 30 years and says it three to four times a week. Nothing is all or nothing. Sarah Boswell's mantra is, I can't fix it, I can't control it, I don't have to understand it, let it go. And she uses this mantra to interrupt her problem-solving drivenness. She's used it for over 10 years, once a week at least, but several times on some days. She realizes she needs to find a positive mantra to invite peace and acceptance and health into her experience, but this is the one that works right now. Dusty and Barbara, would you all come up and share yours? Good morning. Um, I was into middle adulthood. Um, I was a single parent, and... um, I scraped up a small fortune to try and go to a New Age Ascenders retreat. And uh, what I learned there was a mantra. Um, and I learned it by repeating it what, for what seemed like 3,000 times before the weekend was over. And I use it now um, every day, many times a day, because uh, it's a mantra that's kind of reached a cellular level in my soul. The mantra is praise light for my life. Praise light for my life. I was in a discussion with your minister one day and I said that my friendship with Dusty and my children, the greatest gift in my life. And Barbara said, stop, no. Your life is the greatest gift. God's greatest gift in your life. And I was left speechless. I had never thought about my life was a gift. The mantra was uh, prepackaged, and you had to fill in a blank, praise, fill in the blank. Uh, I chose light because I was in kind of an 
quasi-agnostic point in my life. And I like the references to I am the light in John's Gospel. And I, I often think now, what a foreshadowing that I would end up in Shreveport, Louisiana, in a church that uses a, a flaming chalice, a light, as one of its symbols. Praise light for my life. Praise. Depression and fear have been sidekicks for most of my life, never taking over the reins and the horse, but riding comfortably with me in the saddle. A priest once told me to invite Little Miss D, depression, into my life for one hour a day and then send her off packing for the other 23. It was helpful. And so is this. The Persian poet's Rumi's words, your depression is connected to your refusal to praise. There it is, the praise, the gratitude. An antidote for my depression, praise light for my life. I have a very nice view from here. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Before I uh, share my mantra with you, I'll give you a little background. There was a time when I looked at life in this way. Life was not treating me fairly. It was everybody's fault, not mine. I just wasn't getting what I wanted never thought about what I needed. This was as a child, as a young man, and even as an older man. I always looked for somebody else to blame so that I wouldn't have to look at myself. My mantra is this. Keep the focus on yourself, Dusty. This is not selfish. This is for me to Look at my part. If there is a problem, what is my part in that problem? It keeps me from pointing my finger at someone else because there's three pointing back at me. In scripture I have read, you know, before you can take the splinter out of another's eye, you better get the log out of your own. I use this mantra every day in my life. I use it in my work, and I use it at home. And I find that I'm very comfortable in this church because you folks allow me to just be me. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Ken Peterson will start us off with our third round of personal mantras. When I was a young child, I couldn't wait every month for the mailman to come and bring his National, Ge or National Geographic magazine. And I would spend the whole day looking through it. And, and I was always amazed and wondered and curious about other cultures and people that showed up in the magazine. And then I found as I grew up, mostly in Texas, through high school and college, I became very hard-hearted. 
and a very conservative person. And then uh, I moved to Shreveport and joined the Unitarian Church, and I, I found my heart softening. And uh, I think my mantra through all this has been, you are my brother. And it helps me as I see some of the horrible things that happen in this world and in our country, that the things that are happening to these people, these are my brothers. And so one of the wonderful things about living on this planet is everyone on this planet is my brother. And it helps me, it has really helped helped me to soften my heart and, and feel love for everybody on this planet, not just not just the people that the Republicans tell me to love or the Baptists tell me to love, but everybody. So that's my mantra. I don't normally just say it in the morning or anything, but when I see things that that disturb me, I always say, these are my brothers and sisters, so it helps me a lot. In uh, Buddhist meditation development they speak of a time when there grows to be in their private meditation one of the common threads that they attain consciously is a compassion in which everyone becomes their brother and sister even the insects and the cows and they realize they are a oneness and that that compassion can be a challenge in itself many will spend years just weeping for the misery and and pain that we bring on each to our brothers and our sisters. Laurie Lyons' mantra is, to thine own self be true. And she uses it to focus on what is the most important thing to her and to focus on what is true and what are her true motives for what she is doing so she doesn't justify actions which she knows internally to be wrong. She's been using this mantra since she was in her 20s and does not use it on a regular basis, but rather when she gets confused and needs to still herself and clarify her mind for a decision. Is Kathy Landry here? Okay. Do you know her mantra? <laughs> okay, well, I'll read it for her. She's been using this mantra for 25 years, and uh, I was speaking last week with uh, Noah, and he said that this is the mantra that's used in Japan by a lot of people in that culture. It is this too shall pass, which Noah said is shogun ai in Japanese. And this mantra helps Kathy to understand the impermanence, the change that's an integral part of existence. She uses it as often as she needs. Amanda Lawrence has the mantra, it is what it is. And the purpose for
for her is to let go of other expectations but accept the reality that has presented itself. She's used it for four or five years and uses it daily, sometimes many times a day. Last week when I was explaining what I understood the global changing universal cosmic modern mantra to be, I I listed two main traits of what I thought would be the modern mantra. One was that it is global, that it is more than just about you, but it's involving other people in just your saying it. And others is that it was changing, that mantras would change as our comprehension of reality changes. So Melissa Gibson's mantra meant a lot to me when I read it. It was, be the change. And she's used it for over 10 years to encourage her to be bold in facing the change bold enough to join in the change and be the change that needs to happen, whether she has realized it and needs to initiate it herself or whether it bowls her over and she learns how to roll with it. We'll now have a time of meditation and you can light candles for joys or concerns that you share with the congregation. Is there anyone else who has a mantra that they would like to share? Bob? Ron? Y'all come on down. The Buddhists talk about being disturbed by what they call monkey mind. These are thoughts that lead to depression and anxiety and so on that are often very repetitive and disturbing, intrusive. And so I think my mantras that I've used in my life have something to do with quieting monkey mind. Uh, I was... um, I undertook to do transcendental meditation when I was a, first a graduate student, and that influenced me a lot. They gave me a Sanskrit word to say over and over again, and I'm not supposed to reveal that, what that is because there's some magic in the word, I guess. I don't know what it means, but I did use that mantra uh, and set it in my mind over and over again, and, and still do sometimes. It's quieting, helps to let me release those disturbing thoughts. And uh, what I've noticed is that there are many uh, different uh, mantras. Uh, The the one meditation that we did today uh, where it gave different uh, mantras. um, Well, it wasn't a meditation, I guess, but it was a a reading in the the, uh, the hymnal giving different... uh, uh, different kinds of uh, mantras 
And what seems to be characteristic of many of them is that you repeat them over and over again. Whether it's a Sanskrit word, whether it's Hare Krishna, Hare Rama, whether it's Om Mane Padme Hum, whether it's Who, whether it's uh, Hail Mary full of grace, or what. All of those are repetitive words that we say in our minds or out loud, and I think they help to clear that monkey mind. And even to the point in, in my experience where the mantra disappears and there's what the uh, Buddhists would call an experience of the void. No thingness, nothing, no focus of a thing or a particular abstract thought. We even let go of that. I wrestle a lot with um, Ron's uh, challenge. Um, I never thought anything about a mantra. Um, I have a very busy mind, and I, uh, I have trouble often sleeping, uh, relaxing, uh, calming down. Um, and I was, um, yesterday morning, I was looking around my living room, and um, uh, after my mom passed, uh, I brought back a, um, what I would call a mantra, uh, from a calendar that she had hanging on uh, her kitchen wall in Midland, Texas. And I thought, that's it for me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the, change, accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Is there anyone else that would like to share a mantra? Matt? Well, even if this is not a mantra, it still is a mantra in the sense that it repeats itself. It is the Spanish phrase, Quesera Sera. It is what will be, will be. I guess we can have our own ideas about what it means. But to me, this uh, saying is uh, a way to let be, let be. And if I had to give it my own meaning, I would say, let be what is. Worry about the important or the big things, but let the little things go. Because what difference does it make if uh, your shirt's not fitting right or if, you're, or if you've missed a belt loop? If these things aren't important, then they're not important. But try to do your important things, like uh, try to make it to work on time. Try to treat your fellow human beings with respect because these are the important things. So... It's kind of like what we heard through the serenity prayer, that we need to have the wisdom to know the difference between these things. 
So let Quesarasara be uh, an important lesson for all of us to learn. Kathy, you may need to go get Susan because I don't think we can sing the closing hymn a cappello. Although we could bring our choir members down here and they could lead us in it. All those, all those announcements and I forgot one, there's a newcomer's information session in the high school room after service today. So see Ron Thurston if you want to, if you're new. Now what we're going to do after the closing hymn is one minute of repeating a mantra. Like Bob Jordan said, in many cultures, the mantra is the stepping stone to meditation. It's to still the conscious mind in its awareness of the phenomena of the external world in order to move into what Jung would call the subconscious, the inner thoughts which are not put in word form but are rather the reshaping of the brain's concept of reality to move into that subconscious awareness. And so we will do one minute of saying a mantra and if you don't have a mantra, like I said, you can turn back to that reading on uh, Gloria which is uh, number 534 and pick one of those mantras or uh, just use one that you heard today and uh, say that mantra for one minute to yourself and then we'll meditate for one minute in silence because this is the source of the term mantra and it's the core of the use of the mantra and even though in typical Unitarian fashion we have shared mantras that cover the whole gamut of possibilities on things that the mind focuses on for many different purposes, the term mantra and the core of it is a preparation for a silent meditation. So we'll do that as the benediction tonight or this morning after we extinguish the chalice. But first, the closing hymn, number 121, in your gray hymnal, please stand as you're willing or able, and we'll build a land. I'm using fire right now for rebuilding a primal forest, for returning what used to be a tree farm of Loblolly into the original state that the forest was in South United States from East Texas all the way up to Virginia. It was nothing but longleaf pine. And it was an open grassy ground underneath those big pines. And it supported a habitat which was more complex than any other habitat in the world except the Amazon. And I used that fire to burn off all the other plants except the longleaf seedlings that I have planted because those longleafs 
have evolved to be able to live through fires. And you walk through that black, burnt space, and you see these little green trees that are in what they call the grass stage, just about that tall, and the needle on a long leaf is just about that tall, and there's just this little green leaf there. Well, sometimes while I'm walking in those woods, most of the time I'm focused trying to spot those little individual baby trees. But sometimes I'll look up and just feel the whole forest and realize that I am just as much that part of that forest as I am anything else, a part of our human community. And that's what I think a mantra can bring to your life. You can still your mind and burn off all that other vegetation and get down to the core base of your forest, which in the longleaf forest is just that longleaf that survives that flame. And what is in your consciousness when you still your mind with that mantra is your base of your forest. But we're not just a tree. We're not just the forest. We're not just the continent the forest is on or the world that holds that life. We are the cosmos. And we want to move into that cosmic awareness now by saying a mantra for one minute and then a silent meditation for one minute. Let me set up my timer. 